Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show, the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. But we need your help. we we got to make it one million at a time because we live in perilous times where we've been the subject of what we think is a coup against our Constitution and we need to wake people up and, and, and get people galvanized so we can take positive political action to take our country back. And so please share. And one of the things that we like to cover on this show are things that I think that the audience needs to know in terms of alternatives to the dollar. The dollar's in big trouble. And I don't, I'm not glad about that. Believe me, I'm not, but there are alternatives out there. And we have Colin Plume from Noble Gold with us to talk about options, to talk about what's going on with the economy, what he feels that you need to know as an investor, someone trying to preserve your own nest egg, and how you can go about doing some of that. So, Colin, I'm glad you're here to talk about these trends. And there's nothing like, I mean, I do some of this on my own, but it's nothing like having the expert on. So, you know, we're going to the horse's mouth, so to speak, today to get what's really going on. And let me just start off with this. Gold is being suppressed on one end, on the certificate side. Um but there's really no hiding the fact that everyone and their mother is hoarding gold in positions of prominence from the nation of China to the four major banks. Do you want to take that as a starting point and tell us what's yeah, going on? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, there's always, there's always short-term uh, manipulation of the price. And, I, and even if you go back a few weeks ago, um, when the Fed announced that they were going to pause, um, I was like, okay, gold's going to run. And on Friday, and I don't, I, forgive me, I don't know the exact date. It was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Gold, gold started to move. And then I was, and, and you know, the gold markets, cause I've been doing this so long, you know, when you're going to see some aftermarket trading. And so I was telling my team that what's going to happen. And I've seen it so many times is that we're going to see some aftermarket trading. So gold's going to continue to go up even in aftermarket. And then they're going to short it on Monday. And sure enough, you know, it's exact. And, I understand there's profit taking that, that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in a market where the Fed has basically sort of hinted that they've, they're at a pause, which, you know, would be good for gold. You would, you would see it kind of steadily climb and then, but you have these market makers that are able to flood, you know, markets very, they see a trend, they flood it. And so short term, you know, they take those profit positions. And that's why, you know, with gold, it's, it's, you do have to look at, you know, the, the four or five year trajectory of where it could go. Um, cause you've seen it. We saw gold break 2080, broke its all time high three weeks ago. Now we're hovering back around 2000 again, which is, 
that's a lot of volatility for, for the gold market in such, such a short time period. But you have to assume the biggest holders of gold are not selling. So yeah. why would the market fluctuate? And it's just really the paper market that is having this situation happen. Exactly. Uh, I know that the biggest holders of gold, the people are just continuing to buy. Uh, the World Gold Council said this year was a massive buying year for central banks. They believe the price for gold next year is going to skyrocket. So none of those buyers are going to sell. So why why are you seeing that seventy eighty dollar fluctuation? Is because you have hedge funds and money. They, they're trying to manipulate, make money in the, in the quick short term. But I don't think they can hold back the price any longer. I think that we we sort of anticipate that the Fed is in this unique position where they're they're trying to they want to open up the economy next year. They 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 feel that's the only way they can keep their guy in office. And so I think they're going to try to open things up. And and so I think the price is massively uh, manipulated in in the short term. Sure. Uh, and and there's no reason that we should be sitting at two thousand today. And I know people that haven't seen gold for a while they they're, they're shocked by this. But you know, in this kind of economy with two wars, you would see gold up. 20 or 25 percent minimum sure. this year absolutely and we're up only about 11 and a half percent so we we have been held back this year in terms of price um but i i do think that we're gonna you know we're in the bull market now we're in this new cycle and um you know and and and, and but the cpi numbers are interesting and that's obviously going to affect what the fed's going to do and that could affect um the markets as, as a whole so yeah, I think this is all going to come out with the Fed has no choice but to enact policies that will encourage unemployment so they can try to save as much of the dollar as they can. But I don't think that's going to affect the price of gold. I think most people are going to see right through that, don't you? Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, I think the thing about what we're looking at is that, you know, next year with an election happening, you know, there's always this, you know, and, and I look at it as obviously I think there's going to be a lot of turmoil happening next year. It's going to be the news are going to be all over the map, but there is an optimism in that we could get new people into office that, that could affect change in a positive way. And there's always this thing that can happen with elections. And, and I think what it comes down to is that we need to have some people in office that are eventually going to just say, this might be political suicide for myself, but we have to deal with this debt. We have to deal with the $33 trillion of debt. And we got to deal with it next year or the year. We got to deal with it soon because right now, 40% of our tax revenue just goes to interest. So we're, we're in a position and think about that. If anybody right now has credit card debt, they know how uh, difficult it is to get out from under that when you're paying so much in credit cards. Absolutely. It, it's impossible. We're, we're living in that as a country. So that's the, the big, uh, situation next year that could, that could change the U.S. for the better is if we could get some people into office that actually realize that this debt is a bigger issue. And that the idea that we have to raise our debt ceiling every two to three months is quite, quite scary. It's a quite a scary, uh, proposition. So I hope that we get some people in office that actually take control and realize that we need to cut, we need to make some massive cuts now. Because if we're paying 40% on our credit cards right now, let's say of our income, where are we going to be in four years? Is it going to be 60%, 70%? Where's the number? What is the tipping point where we can no longer afford 
our obligations? And when does that happen? But let me give you from a far 30,000 foot view. If the dollar hyperinflates, and that's ultimately what we're saying could be the end result here of this reckless policies we're enacting, it's going to be great for gold. Oh, yeah. Gold goes to 5,000. Yeah. But that, but as Zane said, it's going to go to 20,000. And she was kind of engaging in hyperbole, but I understood her point. Yeah. And, and here you are, but your concern about the country, you know, I, I know you want noble gold to do well, but also what I'm hearing from a distance is this is not good and, and we can do well with gold, but we don't want to have the economy destroy itself so we can do better with gold. That's what I'm seeing here. The dollar getting stronger and what I'm proposing, getting people to cut is actually not ready for gold. It's actually counterintuitive to my business. Yeah. But it's not counterintuitive to me as an American. The, the, the idea that people would be able to have money and savings and, and, and I know everybody's excited about, you know, what the banks are paying now, but it's, it's, it's the idea that they're paying four or 5%. They're so desperate to get deposits because they need it so desperately because they need to go out to the market and make loans and make profit. It really shows that they're paying four or 5% of the bank. What are we really losing? And buying power. That's the scary number yes. of it is, is how that, that our bonds are at such a high, you know, with bonds paying low rates. And I know that people that like bonds will, will, will not like this comment, but basically the idea that our bonds have been paying such a low rate for so long has actually been a positive for us as a country. The idea that, Absolutely. that we're bonds are so strong that everybody wants them, that everybody's willing to overpay and make basically next to nothing return showed the strength of us as a country. So as bonds continue to go up and we see these rates, it just shows that that's, they don't believe in us as a country that they have to pay such a high rate to investors because they don't trust us. They, they don't, they don't trust what we're doing. That's in essence what these higher rates are telling us, what these higher returns of the banks are telling us is that they, the banks know that they that we don't trust the banks. The only way is that we're going to keep some of the bank and they're going to pay us a return that's much higher than what we've seen in the past. So those are the indicators out that 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 are that are troubling. And then you know you look at the CPI and I look at it every month. And so you look at core CPI. You know they came in core CPI is is you know they take out energy and food costs because they're volatile. So they they focus on the other areas. And and if core CPI can stay the same or even drop. Then I think we're, we're going to see rates probably first quarter next year. Uh, Bill Ackman, famous uh, hedge fund money guy, he, he wholeheartedly, I've seen multiple interviews with him. This is a guy that's trading, you know, billions of dollars. He whole, he predicted the 2008 collapse. I mean, this is like a guy that knows what he's talking about. He thinks rates are coming down next year. He thinks they're going to make some pullbacks next year. So he's sort of, and, and the market's sort of pricing that in, that things are going to open up. And we're going to see some, uh, some opening up in the money supply. Um, so it, it's, it's a very unique, uh, situation. I even recently had a friend who I've been friends with for 20 years who f- has been talking to me about gold for five, for five years. He's been talking about gold and, you know, I just answer questions and, you know, it's a friend of mine and, you know, people take time to make decisions, but finally they wanted to buy. They were calling me today. They're ready to buy. And I said, why now? I mean, what's the difference? Like what, what happened over the last five years? And basically, they just said they wanted to own something that didn't have debt. They just like the idea of having an asset that they know that their home, you know, some people say it's good debt or bad, whatever you want to. And they had other assets that had debt, but they just wanted to have something that they could put in their safe, that they just knew the value was going to be there and had no debt behind it. 
And that was the simple reason. And so, you know, everybody's reasoning is different, but I do think the idea of having some assets without debt in, in, as an investor, it really puts you in a much better power position because if there's opportunities out there, you got these assets behind you that you can, you know, liquidate if you need to, or you got assets to borrow against. I mean, there's having some assets that are going to grow over time that don't have any debt behind them is a real advantage uh, as you're going through as an investor and also looking to, to potentially retire. But can I, I want to share with you for just my personal perspective. I, I have been a customer of Noble Gold for five years and my wife and I are now talking about doing it again. And I'm motivated by both fear and, and hope and expectation. And the fear is this. I know about the Dodd-Frank law of 2010. I talk about it a lot. And that says that they can keep the banks. When you deposit your money, you're an unsecured creditor, and they can keep anything that's in the bank. They can keep your retirement. They can keep your safety deposit box. They can keep your passbook savings. And the only reason they don't now is they want to stay liquid. They want you to keep putting their your money in the bank so they can do fractional reserve banking and loan out 9 to 20 times more than what they're getting in. And so they don't do anything against your money. But as the banks get pushed to the wall, Here's my fear, Colin, is that they'll cushion their fall by taking my money. And that's been one of my main motivations for going ahead and grabbing gold and silver. But I will also say this. I have the hope and fear because if CBDC comes in or some system that's very arbitrary and I think very, very, very dangerous to be in, um, gold and silver, they won't outlaw this. And everyone says they're going to outlaw it. No, they won't. Not when Wells Fargo and B of A and China and all these entities are buying gold at record rates. They can't outlaw what their own supporters are doing. I mean, yeah. can you react to what yeah, I've said? Yeah, can, can you react yeah, to what I've said? It, yeah, because I think about it a lot in all investments, what you're talking about in that. You don't want to be in an investment or in, a, in an institution where you're like a pretty small investor in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. in, in a bank you and I are going to be chump change, right? For any bank. Sure. And so if the bank has issues and they start to pull money out of accounts, we're, we're not big enough to, to make a stake. We're not big enough to hire a little law firm to, to get the money. It's not, it'll cost us more money than it, than it would to, to, to get the money back. And I think about it in a lot of areas when you have institutions that are holding funds, um, you know, they talk about it with gold ETFs that there's, you know, it says that you could in theory take possession on some of these gold stocks. But I always think like, am I going to get it first or is BlackRock going to get it first? Right. I mean, I'm not going to get it before they're going to get it. Um, we're seeing it with FTX, the, the, the exchange. There's people that are lining up now to get their crypto. If a guy's got two Bitcoin, which is a lot of money, you know, maybe 88,000, a hundred thousand, it's yeah. a lot of money, two, three Bitcoin. He's not going to be first in line. He or she is not going to be first in line to get their, their Bitcoin back. You're going to, you're going to be fighting through and you're hopefully going to get a piece of that, uh, Bitcoin or whatever you own sort of down the road. So yeah, I mean, you know, they create these institutions that people believe are safe. Um, but they're, they they have rules in place to protect themselves. The government has rules in place to protect themselves. So yeah, you really have to be careful when you're, leaving too much money in any institution in a situation where we could go through hyperinflation. You know, the countries like Lebanon and some of these countries, they're going through it. You can't even mm-hmm. get your money out of the bank. I, right. I met some people recently that moved here from Lebanon, and they were very wealthy in Lebanon, but they could not get any of their money out of the bank. So they came here with near nothing. You're talking and about so – I. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so so they, they fled. They, they had to flee. 
and they can't, even though they had value in the banks, they can never get it out of the banks. And because that country is in a, in a hyperinflation situation, the banks control funds. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. They don't want money moving out of that country. And so they just left everything. They left everything they had, came here with nothing because they just figured, you know, I got a better shot in the U.S. than I got in another country to, to do it. And so it's, you know, these institutions that everyone thinks are so safe, they have the ability, especially with the Dodd-Frank and other, they have the ability to get access to some of your capital if things really went bad. And so that's why it's really important to be uh, diversified in different banks, to be spaced out, to have different assets, because you just don't want to be caught in a situation where you need the money or you need that value and whatever the currency is, whether it's gold or cash, 
and you can't get access to it because the institution you're in is shut down or maybe they're using their funds to, uh, to, you know, make sure that they're still capitalized as a, as an institution. If you were worried about an insolvent economy, let's say we hyperinflate and the dollar just falls apart. Um, is it more advantageous to have gold and silver coins or the bullion? Um, I mean, I think it doesn't really matter at the end. Of, I don't, I, yeah. I mean, I think there's been this argument that coins were better. They, a lot of companies sort of put that data out there. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it makes a, a difference. I mean, there's some, some people believe there's some value in a governmental minted coin because it, maybe that institution is doing things a little better or safer than a private mint. But in my trading gold and silver, I mean, I've, my grandfather collected silver coins that I received being in the mm-hmm. business myself for 15 years. I've never seen it make a difference. Gold is gold, silver is silver. Okay. People are trading it all over the world. I mean, I think it's, it's not going to make a difference. If you had to flee the country and, and go anywhere, whether it's in a bar or a coin, you're going to get tremendous value either way. Um, and, and, you know, maybe sometimes the coins are, are almost too expensive to then just dollar for dollar. Um, so you want to avoid any, anything like that where you're just overpaying for a specific coin because it's got a certain mintage on it, which is the big thing that happens in this country. Unfortunately, a lot of my competitors will sell these new, semi-numismatic coins and they'll say that they have some tremendous value that they don't have. So I think either way you're going to be fine. But a lot of our clients really focus on bars. Yeah, I've done both because I'm hedging my bet because I've heard both yeah. things. What you're saying makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm thinking if currency is not exchanging hands, coins might very possibly take the place of currency temporarily until a new system is established. And that's one of the reasons why I did both. I agree with you about the bullion, but I also like the idea of coins for portability if you're in a crisis situation. And, you know, eventually some currency is going to come and replace the dollar if it fails. Um, and, and to me, that's kind of disaster planning, but I think it's smart. You have your gold, you have your silver, your other precious metals, and then when the smoke clears, new system comes out, you're good to go because you've preserved your wealth. Yeah, I remember in um, just thinking about the price of gold, like thinking about 2008, uh, right, kind of early when I was in the business, and you know, gold was flirting with a thousand, eight hundred, a thousand, and and I remember once it broke, kind of broke through a thousand, that was kind of, and and I and I feel 2000 is kind of the same way that that you know, a thousand was, and, and people say, well, maybe now the price is too high, but you think about it, the amount of inflation, the amount of spending that we've done in the last six to eight years dwarfs what we did in 2008. I mean, from 2008 to 2012, we obviously inflated, but the last six years with COVID we're in two wars right now. I mean, the amount of spending that we're doing now dwarfs what we what we did in, in the mid-2000s. Yeah. So that's a factor for me. And that's why when people are like 3,000 gold is not unattainable and not far away, I, I think it it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you look at uh, – there was an article in Zero Hedge. They were talking about the, the million-dollar retirement, which is well, mm-hmm. like that used to be the number. Now it's $2 million. And they were talking about – the value of 750,000 in 2001 or 2002, 750,000 in 2001 to get the, to buy the same goods today, you need 1.3 million minimum, the same goods to just survive. And, and that's from 2001 to today. That's how much uh, our currency, the value of our currency has gone down or our buying power has gone down. Mm-hmm. That's going to even 
be small. And and inflation's not transitory, like they've been saying. I know they throw this word around. I mean, it's no. it's here for good. They're not saying it's that anymore. For- they they know the lies over. Um, there's no. Oh, way. They got rid of that word. I was hearing transitory for every three or four years, and 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 you they keep keep talking about that word, but it's the idea that inflation's you know gone, and and you know I know this three percent number based on their statistics, they're happy about it, and and. You know, obviously, there's there's things that will happen based on these these new inflation numbers, but the idea that you know to go back to two percent, I think is gone. And I've said, I think I've said it on your show. Like, I think three per, I think they should make three percent the new number because I think two percent is just unattainable anymore. Well, if we balance the budget um, and and start to act responsibly, that's a whole different and matter. But we, we have Republicans without a backbone. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about retirement plans because I, I, I've seen some things on other interviews that have caught my attention. And the theme is becoming consistent that control of pensions, IRAs, 401ks and so forth is shifting away from stable uh, entities like banks and going more to private institutions to manage these funds and they're taking reckless chances with them. Now I know some of that's governed by law. I know you can only do so much with a retirement fund, but is that a true statement that the control of pensions and retirement shifting and more people are at risk because of it? Well, I think it's, you know, it's up to the business owner, right? I mean, ultimately like I, as a business owner, I, I decide what I'm going to do for my company and what I'm going to do for my retirement plan. And so there, there are more options than they were even when I started uh, 10 years ago. There's a lot more options that are out there. Uh, I, I think the reckless uh, uh, way is to get people into these funds that these target date funds, I think those are more reckless and, and they've, they've done very poorly the last two or three years, um, which you know, they, they'll argue that, you know, they should, you know, they're not going to always do well, but at the end, they're going to do well for everybody. But the last two to three years, a lot of those target date funds haven't done well for people that are probably pretty close to retirement. So I know the institution behind then the idea behind those funds, they want to take the guesswork out of it as an investor. But I don't think we're in a world where you can do that anymore. I think at the end of the yeah. day, people need to be more active. You You can't, trust your advisor anymore you got to be critical about your money because at the end of the day these advisors just live off it's not the it's funny because i remember when stockbrokers used to get paid actually on the 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 specific stock they could they could build a fee in and they took that away and they said that it wasn't good because they'd recommend stocks that weren't going to go but good stockbrokers actually realized that they gave good tips that they get more clients now they just get paid on the whole. They just yes. have to have a lot of money to get a percentage. So what is their incentive? Do they really have that much of incentive to do that great? Really, a stockbroker's job is just to get as much money in as possible. Their job is not to make sure that you perform well. They're just going to put you in some funds and they're going to hope for the best. The, the, the incentive behind performance in those situations is gone. Now, hedge funds, they get paid based on, on, on incentives, but most people can't afford or they're not accredited and they can't get into those. So they don't have access to those big uh, hedge fund guys you know, that really get paid based on performance. The average person gets paid by a person that just their job is to get the most money under management. And that is it. And just to convince you to stay. 
And, and we see it all the time because, you know, our clients try to get out of what they're doing and they want to get into gold. And these, these advisors just will do anything. You know, they'll try to talk, tell them to buy mining stocks. They'll tell them to do this and they'll try to do it because their, their only job is just to keep your money there. Their, their, their job isn't to recommend for you to do the best thing with your money. They just have to keep you under management. So I think it is a little bit scary what's happening with retirement funds, but hopefully it's just a piece of the pie. For most people, I don't think people think that their 401k and their pension is going to be everything for them. Most companies are getting away from pensions anyway, Dave. They don't, they can't afford it. They, they're not, they're not sustainable for most companies. So I hope that it's a piece of the pie. If you work at a company, they have it, they match, you put the money in. It's a good idea because it's basically free money, but you should just be very conservative and what the expectations are for the returns there. And then you should have some other assets available to you. That, to that's, that's the key. You know, the one of the things I've encountered, and I know this is standard practice, when you get to a certain age, they manage now by profile. If you're older, it's far, it's very conservative. Even if there's a good opportunity, these brokers don't want to get sued because they took someone who is older and they risked their savings and lost everything. And, and there's cases like this and they, they manage you by a profile now instead of by opportunity. And I, and I'm seeing that more and more and people in the market tell me that that's true. So yeah, I, I don't like that approach at all. And you're absolutely right. If you don't take control of managing your assets, Who's going to? I agree with you. You can't trust financial advisors anymore. I don't trust them any farther. In fact, actually, the last time, you know, I made a silver purchase from Novo Gold not too long ago, a couple months ago, and a financial advisor we deal with on a different fund um, told my wife, I don't think that's such a good idea. I think you should be doing this with your money. And and my answer is, are you nuts have you seen what's happening with the market and yeah. with the dollar? Yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that people, they get dissuaded by people who are so-called the experts. Right yeah. now, gold and silver, and you could argue Bitcoin is at the right time. And I notice I said the right time. Yeah. Gold and silver and Bitcoin at the right time. This is where people need to run to right now because we have a yeah. failing economy. Yeah, a lot of people that I, I respect think silver's the most undervalued asset. That's out I there. agree. That's why I b- uh, bought silver the last time out. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I've been working on this book for a while. And I'm, I think I'm finally at the end. The, the title of the book is called Silver is the New Oil. And I, I also believe we're, we're, it's just the way that it's moved. And, you know, gold skyrocketed, you know, over the last 60 days and silver moved a little bit up, but it just hasn't really caught up, even though the uses, the tremendous amount of, and, the, you know, every report from the Silver Council, you know, their shortage, of ounces is tremendous and that if we continue to put solar panels all over the world, they're going to need silver and electric vehicles are going to use. I mean, Mm -hmm. the list of all this electric, not just those things, all the electric uh, devices that we're using has silver in it. Um, It's just a great, it's a very uh, uh, conducive metal to to industry. Uh, And so we're seeing those uses continue to, to skyrocket. And, you know, you're talking about manipulation and, you know, you see companies like JP Morgan that got in trouble for manipulating the markets, you know, in 2011 and 2012 when, you know, silver was, you know, really rising and it broke 50 and, you know, they, they, they increased the margin call and, you know, they were really playing with the markets, uh, in 2011 in the, in the silver world, but long term, um, and I think most people look when they're investing, they look long term. You have to think that this metal is going to do very well and the uses continue to grow. 
Uh, and, and we're selling a tremendous amount of it. And I will say, as much as the, the demand is high and we're there, our price, our physical price is really good. It's the best it's been since, you know, during the pandemic, because you couldn't get silver, mm-hmm. you know, my cost was tremendous on products. It's low now. I got, we're getting great. You know, obviously we sell millions and millions of uh, gold uh, and silver coins and bars every month. So we're getting the metal at such a great price right now. Um, so it's, it's exciting. It's exciting for me as an owner because we're in a f- sort of unique situation and that we're getting it at a good price there that we haven't run out like, you know, 2020, 2021. I mean, everybody wanted it, but you couldn't get it. Prices skyrocketed. The mints were charging a fortune for products. So we were trying to buy, you know, I was buying in bulk from everywhere I could to get it in the door at, at the right price. Uh, but right now is, is a really good price, uh, you know, relative to the spot price. We can get unbelievable products in silver for at, at very good pricing. So I think it's exciting from an investor point of view. to, to get right, right now at this point in time, Colin, what would be the better thing to do, the bullion or the coins with silver? Right now, definitely bullion bars. I mean, we're, okay. we're bullion kilo. Uh, if you want to go bigger, like, th- like 100-ounce or 1,000-ounce bars, I mean, those That's are, big. we're getting those. Um, um, but yeah, maybe I need another safe. Ounce. I got to get another yeah. safe. <laughs> a thousand ounce bars are a little tough in that. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're 75 pounds. So I know. I've had, <laughs> I've had to talk some people off the ledge about buying those. Just, it, it's fine if you want us to, we'll store it in the depository, segregate it for you. But I, I, I air people, uh, on, on to be cautious about a 75 pound bar in, in your own safe, unless, you're, you got a pretty good uh, workout regimen, and you feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and, and you you might be spending some of that money on a chiropractor. Uh, <laughs> just, that's yeah. Listen, I, we've done some of that, and yeah. I always get the honey. Your work is here. <laughs> your work, come get your workout. <laughs> but yeah, there's, but there's I'm, are, uh, and that's what the banks buy. I mean that those. Those thousand ounce bars. I mean, that's during the pandemic. We were competing against Comex. I was buying from the same places as Comex. I was competing uh, against them, which is why I know that they never had enough silver to back up their their purchases because we were in negotiations with the same places, these same mints with Comex, and then eventually Comex would come in and try to overbid me uh, because they needed it. But the idea that they couldn't get it and they were running dry, and that there was all these, and they they were still selling. They were still selling on the, on the ticker. I mean, they never stopped. They never slowed down. They're supposed to back it by ounces, but they, how could they? I mean, there was a shortage. How could they? So that's why when people always say, Oh, they have enough and this and that, I know for a fact they never have enough. Uh, it, you know, in normal times, maybe they, they can catch up, but who, who's checking? Because oh, during the pandemic, they weren't. So well, we're no, we're no longer a nation of law and order like we once were. There's no question. And it carries over to the financial markets too, yeah. which is why I like controlling the wealth with yeah. gold and silver. Um, w- one of the things too that, that I look at here, um, is the idea that the, in fact, actually bankers went to the Senate last week over this issue to complain and they had a hearing on it with the banking committee. And the complaint was this is that Biden's new proposed policies that he's doing it as a dictator bypassing Congress, he wants to force the banks to have 25% more liquidity. Okay, now you're already in an environment where interest rates are high and the bonds are in trouble, and and you've got banks that need the bonds to do well to build loan-out money. Depositors are buying more gold and silver, so less is coming in there. And if the banks can't loan out money, they're going to fail. 
And what I'm concerned about is Biden is pushing these banks closer to failure, which is why your people are going to be hearing from me this week, because I'm buying more precious metals because I worry about the health of the banks. Now, am I panicking? Am I on the target? What, what do you think? I mean, it, it's it's an interesting uh, idea that that he's trying to raise the amount that they're supposed to keep. And so it in, in a very difficult time for banks, as you yeah. mentioned, I mean, you know, how do banks, I always talk about how do banks make money today? They make, you know, they make it a few different ways, but you know, the, one of the big ways they haven't been able to make money is, is on mortgages and loans, right? Because those have, because rates have gotten too high. So that's, so that, that's been a big profit center for them is that people just refinance or <clears throat> buy new houses. There's fees in there that they make. So then the other way is, is they make money on the deposits and they go out to the market. And they, they make a higher return, but they're paying five, four, five. Can they make, are they going to make consistently 10, 12, 15% out in the markets? I, I don't see it. It didn't happen this year. So no. they're being a little riskier. And now they're telling them they have to have more reserves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's troubling. I mean, it's, it always seems like they're, they're pushing banks to become fewer and fewer, which is the worst thing that I think for any American, I think having, so few banks is is not something that anybody should want. You, we need diversity in banks. We need local banks. We Absolutely, need, we need money spread out. You don't want to have it all. And the idea that you know Biden's in, in essence trying to make it so that there's only big banks, right? Just he's sort of creating a monopoly uh, in the banking industry. I don't think that's good for for you and I. I don't think that's a great situation. I think we you want to keep things fair. You want to keep things spread out. Uh, and, I, you know, maybe the, the idea that he wants to make sure they have more liquidity in case things go. I mean, I, I don't know what the premise is behind it, but but ultimately, like, we need diversity in banks. We don't want to be stuck. I mean, you look at the people that had money in First Republic and all these banks and getting the money out was hard and moving was hard. And, you know, anyone that has a business, the idea of moving a bank is like you, is pulling teeth. It's the last thing you want to do. So we, we need to have banks that um, can convey trust, and, and I don't think uh, requiring them to increase deposits gives, gives them a lot of flexibility to be profitable, and that's scary, I think, for everybody that's out there. Is, is, is you just don't want to be in a position where you have a lot of your net worth tied up in, in one of those institutions. And well, especially since uh, defaults and bank loans is going up dramatically in the car industry, the real estate industry. Oh, yeah. So the banks are already taking real hits. And so now they're being asked to put money aside that they really right. don't have. And then getting getting loans, we're an economy that runs on debt. And if we can't get loans for businesses, then that's going to really retard growth. And that's I think that's the uh, I think that's the nutshell here for uh, deflation, uh, recession, depression. I mean, whatever label you want to put on it. The uh, the other thing too that I look at with banking that really disturbs me in terms of their health is you said we just don't want the four big banks. I totally agree with you. And the analysis I've arrived at from reading, and I want to get your expert opinion on this, is that the roll-up will come from the bottom up. The the mid-sized banks, the regional banks, are going to fail if they can't be liquid enough to loan out money, and they'll feel it before the big banks. Do you think that's a realistic uh, assessment? I think that's that's the, the worst-case scenario, yeah, absolutely, that they don't have – the ability to function and, and, and continue to grow. And, and it really comes down to the idea that it, are we going to, where rates are going to go next year will really tell that story. I think for, for if, if rates can come down even a little bit, 
it could open things up a lot. Mortgages start happening again, refinances, new purchases. That would put some money in some of these smaller banks and also credit for businesses. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, as a business owner, not that I, I live on debt, but a lot of businesses do because, you know, if they're adding trucks or adding materials or adding infrastructure, they need to borrow that money. I mean, there's no way. And so when it went, when rates went up so dramatically so fast, they weren't able to keep up and, and they weren't able to, you know, amortize that increase in the amount of money that they were going to have to spend to buy that truck or to buy those goods. And so we need a little bit of a leveling off and, and like coming back to some normal, uh, some normalcy here so that small businesses can borrow at a rate uh, that makes sense. And that would also help the banks is getting some, some liquidity from, from some of these smaller mid-sized banks that are a little bit more, uh, more flexible, uh, than some of the bigger banks and, you know, SBA financing coming back, that would be really important for a lot of businesses. Uh, and, 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 you know, like, listen, there's businesses that you can, you can start on a, on a, on a tiny budget, but big endeavors, big projects typically need financing involved. And so if we don't level that off and let people get money at a decent rate, we're going to slow down the economy and, and, and go into a, a recession. And that, and I think that's the worst case scenario next year is that rates don't come down at all. And then, then we go into recession because businesses just can't afford the money to, to borrow. Yeah, I know. And, and, and I think that the fear that the four big banks will be the only ones left standing, unless you just have the worst catastrophes ever. I don't, I don't see that. And, and I'll tell you why. If I'm in the mid-sized bank in my neighborhood and uh, and I fail, my neighbor who's in B of A or Wells Fargo sees that, how likely are they to keep most of their money in the bank? Right. There'll be, there'll be a ripple effect that depositors will want to pull it out. I want to talk about bank failures for just a second, though. I want to run some numbers by you that I think are correct, and I want to get your reaction to it. And this will drive more people, I think, to precious metals when they hear this. If the bank fails, you got to really be kind of a preferred privileged person to get reimbursed or your yeah. bank better be like SVB because the Federal Reserve, according to what I found at FDIC, I mean, has 0.7% of the cash on hand necessary to bail out the banking system. And then in 2014 at the G20 conference, they decided on bank reimbursements if banks fail. And so they decided the credit swap derivatives people would be first and then everybody else. Well, they won't even get through the credit swap derivatives at 0.7%. So to me, we're, I think we're largely, I think people like you and me are uninsured in the bank. What do you think? Yeah, Yeah, I agree with you. And and also I was thinking about something that, that as a, as a business owner, um, you know, I've had, I have a few different banks, but one of the banks I've been with many years. I remember my grandmother set me up with Bank of America, which is one of the largest banks. And when I started a business a few years ago, Bank of America wouldn't do any loans on any new businesses. And so it was one of the biggest, you know, maybe the biggest bank in the US. They wouldn't take me, even though I'd been with them, I had deposits with them, you know, for since I was a child. Uh, And I, you know, I have different businesses that were already running and successful. They wouldn't, they wouldn't touch it. So this is the kind of market that doesn't allow growth if we just had big banks. And a lot of the big banks are taking these kind of stances. Wells Fargo, they're just very conservative. But to go to your point, yeah, I mean, the idea that they're going to be able to to bail out banks if there's a number of banks that go under, I, I don't think that's realistic to think that they're going to be able to cover deposits. I mean, if, if God forbid, Wells or any of these big boys, Chase, had an issue, 
uh, we, you know, Bank of America, we, we would be in a big, uh, bind and, and people would not, would not be able to get their funds back, uh, quickly or, or at all. There'd be bank runs and, you know, all those worst case scenarios. And that's, you know, that's the potential of where we're going because not only do we have this banking crisis and situation, but we have this debt. And so you don't have this confidence in the world that the U.S. is a strong country anymore. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is that if we were able to GDP growth, keep our debt into a reasonable number and, and, and we're the world's reserve currency, everything would be fine. But we're not. We're, we're, many countries have said this year that they want to get away from the dollar. There's not, I mean, you can name it. I, I'm just thinking the Fran, president of France talking about it. Uh, obviously, China has been talking about it. Obviously, Russia, because of what's going on, they've been talking. But there, major countries are saying we want to go away from it. I mean, El Salvador is, you know, trying to go to a Bitcoin uh, economy because they obviously they don't trust the dollar. I mean, nobody trusts us as a country. Nobody trusts us. We've just, the credit card has been spent. You know, there's no more money. We max it out. And then as, so as a country, we're broke. And then as individuals, you know, we know credit card debt individually hit over one trillion this year, the highest number it's ever hit. Not only has it hit the highest number it's ever hit, the, the percentage is one of the highest we've had in, in what, 30 years? We've never had, we haven't had credit card debt in the, in the high twenties, low thirties for a lot of people. So it's just created this whole situation where we're in a desert country. We're in a debt as consumers. Where, you know, what, what's the end for us? And, and yeah. how do we, how do we find our way out of this mess that we put ourselves into? That, that's the big question. Yeah, I know. I do. People are talking about this and I don't see it. This is why I'm so rooted in gold and silver. Uh, we're going to have debt repudiation and the economy will be fine and the dollar will recover. And I, I'd like to believe that. Believe me, I wish there was an escape hatch. But this is why I go gold and silver because I don't think it's going to happen for a second. What do you think? I don't. I don't know how they. How do they? Who? Who? Who's going to forgive us? Exactly. <laughs> going to forgive, is just, China going to forgive us? They're not going to forgive us on our debt. They're just going to start taking assets. I mean, that's that's the realistic. I mean, they did it. You know, there was uh, a famous story about uh, a hedge fund that bought uh, bonds of Argentina when they were going through their problems. And then basically Argentina said they weren't going to pay back. You know, they were basically bad bonds that this hedge fund bought. And and they went to court and the, and the hedge fund, you know, they were trying to negotiate. And the hedge fund said, we don't have to negotiate. You owe us. We bought this debt. This is our debt. You owe us the money. And then it was like, well, if you can't pay us, what in Argentina can we take to pay back this debt? And I think that's a very realistic situation here in the U.S. is that China will come in eventually and just say, you know, we're going to take this. We're going to start taking some of the structures. We're going to start taking some land. We're going to start, and that, and and the court will have to decide if that's fair or not. And and my estimation is that if they are owed money and we have debt to them, how do we pay them back? We're just going to, they're just going to forgive our debt. Absolutely not. We wouldn't forgive their debt if it was turned around the other way. We would want to get paid. Anybody would want to get paid. I mean, anyone that's lent money to 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 anyone knows you you want to get paid. Uh, so it's, it's I, a I prescription don't see how they, for war. Yeah, it's a prescription yeah, exactly. for war. 
Yep. It is. And and then the war is going to cost you more money than if you tried to pay off the debt. Right. So <laughs> right. It, it just, it, you know, the other thing I'm seeing, too, is, you know, Ukraine is defeated. And even the mainstream media won't won't refute that now. Although if you said that before on social media, they'd ban you. But Ukraine is defeated, and I'm hearing that Zelensky is going to be a resident of Florida. And, I mean, these are good sources telling me this. He's going to have to flee, and they're looking to replace him in the interim. Uh, but the effect on the economy, the military-industrial complex is a driver, one of the drivers of our economy. And if they got one less war to fight, okay, there's going to be a gap there in the economy. Uh, is there going to be a downturn based on this like we see in post-war recessions? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would love for us to, to, you know, not, you know, we're involved in two wars right now. And I, and I, I think, you know, whatever side you're on, I mean, it, that's where it is. We are on, on two sides of the war. And I'm on the uh, side of peace. I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough situation right now that we're, we're, you know, we're footing the bill for the world and, and you know, no one's, everyone's, you know, a lot of countries are saying that they want to get involved, but they're not contributing the way that we, we are. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're in a, we're in a position where we're in tremendous debt. We're funding things that we can't really afford. Uh, and, and so it's, and, and I think part of it is we're trying to protect our, our interests, right? In the world, our military interests, we want to protect ourselves, but, uh, it, it is difficult for us to see. So I, my, my estimation, I think that we, we, if we got out of, if Ukraine is, if it's done in Ukraine and that's the way it is and we can pull out, I actually think it would benefit our economy. Um, I mean, if you look at what happened under Trump, you know, our economy flourished in that situation and we, you know, sort of pulled out and he wasn't, he didn't really actively get us in any war. Um, and I think that was, that was a benefit to, to, you know, there are groups that benefit substantially from, from, from wartime efforts. And there's, there are those things, but it's, it's really isolated into a small group of people that really truly benefit. Um, and it's not spread out to the, to the whole economy. It's not like everyone's going to profit from us being in a war. So I, I think it'd be a benefit to us. And, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's economists that say that there's a recession after some, but I think where we are today as a country, it actually would be a massive benefit for us to, to not be involved in all these skirmishes. I really, I really believe that too. I, I want to gear this uh, last part of our interview here towards the individual person who's hearing me. They're saying, Oh, Dave's going to do more business with noble gold. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> and for good reason. And so if I'm out there and I don't know anything about the business, okay, and I've learned a fair amount, but if I'm out there and I'm ignorant about how this really works, okay, so I buy gold. How do I monetize it? And that's a question I get quite a bit from people that will hear a commercial I do for Noble Gold. They'll write to me and say, Dave, if I buy the gold, how do I monetize it down the road? What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the one of the the ideas uh, that people, why they diversify is because there there are assets that you will monetize in the short term. And then there's assets that you are waiting for the long-term massive gain. And I think that, you know, we've talked about hyperinflation. We've talked about a lot of different scenarios. You know, I think gold, you know, getting to four or $5,000 an ounce is a realistic number. So the idea of having some different investments that have a return coming in, you know, day to day is a great idea, but you can't always count on those. They don't always pay those returns. I, I think people, they get fixated on the idea that, that, a, that a stock is paying a certain dividend, but the really, really stable ones, the ones that actually pay, that have been paying for one, the returns are actually very low, one to 3%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The big boys, the big stocks that are paying. I'm not talking about your REIT that 
you know, is paying a 12% return and they've been around for three years, like good, but that who knows where they're going to go? Who knows what the appreciation is? You know, this, this asset is one of those, you, you sock it away. You got no debt behind it. You put it in the safe, you put it in your IRA. And over the five to 10 year period, as things unfold in this country, the debt continues to go up. Those are the assets that you want to hold that just, you know, the value. And I think that when people look at their net worth and they really track it and I track it every month and I look at where things are, I always know where I'm at with my precious metals. I always know. And I, and I calculate it monthly and it just slowly every month, it's got a little bit of a, maybe a pullback here, you know, like this month it went to 2080 and then it pulled back. Now we're at 2000. But if you look at over time, you know, this eight, 10, 12%, I'm happy having some some assets out there that are make those kind of returns. Sure. And listen, if they do quantitative easing phase one, two, three, like they did in 2008 and nine, you'll get those 20% returns again. You'll see it. You'll have it. Yeah. But the idea that you have it and you have this asset that's yours, that you own by yourself, you know, you're not paying any, you know, monthly fee on this asset. It's your asset. You can sell it at any time. Having that control I think at the end of the day, those having some of those assets in your portfolio in this type of economy makes the most sense. We're not in a stable economy. So you want some things that don't have debt. If we were more stable or we were, you know, 40 years ago, would I tell you to, to put, you know, this much into gold and silver? But today it's, di- it's a different economy. We're $33 trillion in debt. We have massive debt all over the country. Mm-hmm. So do you want to buy another asset that has more debt or do you want to buy something that doesn't have debt? And so yeah. that's why I think you're seeing people buy. And I even have, I have bond traders that are still buying gold for me and they bought a ton of gold for me in 2020, a ton. I mean, these are big bond traders. They fell in love with gold. They were all over gold. They're still buying from gold for me today, even though the bond rates are up, you know, what, 30% from where they were. So they're still buying gold. They still like this asset. It's just, they just change their mind about, you know, getting that one or two or 3% return of bonds. Or do I get into something, you know, this year we're at 11% for gold. So it's just kind of a steady, slow uh, growth as opposed to getting that one or 2% um, annually in a dividend. No, I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, there are people that have tried to get me to go in on like a limited partnership and buy some commercial real estate. My answer is, who's going to rent it from you? Have you right. seen what's going on in the economy? Right. I mean, you may own it at a cheap price, but it's going to continue to go down. In fact, yeah. actually, they're converting commercial real estate into single-family dwellings now. Yeah, 100%. but and uh, also, limit, there is a thing about a limited partnership, right? You're, li- you're, you're limited. You're, 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 <laughs> that's the thing you always have to think about as someone that's owned a lot of real estate. But you got to know who's the partner, and you got and anything could change with that partner, and you're not in control. You know, if they're coming in and they're asking you for investment, you're not in control. You're just a piece of the pie. And so anything could happen there. Anything could change. Absolutely. And so we're, that's the difference is the control aspect. That's why when people buy from, gold from us and they finally get it they, in the safe or we store it or however, they, they go, I like, I like this control. I'm in control. They like that. And that's Absolutely. the difference. So that's, that's the major reason why I do it. Cause I get to plot my destiny and I feel I'm doing it with something that's held its value for 6,000 years. Got one more question for you before we close and tell people how to find out more. Um, there's usually a ratio between gold and silver gold's worth this much compared to the silver value. And that ratio is really bigger than it should be. Correct. Um, and, and that's why I've leaned towards silver recently. 
Do you think there's going to be a catch-up, or is this a permanent change, and how, how does this affect what people should be looking at first, gold or silver? I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it ever goes back to 14 or 16 to 1 like it uh-huh. used to be. I don't think it ever goes there. But to go back to 50 or 60 to 1, I think it's, it's possible. I mean, if if you told gold miners and people live in the gold, uh, the silver business for a long time that silver could hit 75 or or $100 an ounce, they wouldn't blink an eye. They wouldn't blink an eye at those numbers. So I, I think... I think we could get back to 60, 65 to one. We're, we're probably almost 90 to one at this point, somewhere 85, 90 to one, something like that. So I think it's realistic to get back. It's just silver's just, it's one of those metals that, that as soon as it gets pulled out of the ground, it just what industry needs it and what industry exactly. wants. It. And so that will push the price up. That demand will continue to push the price up. And it's, it's really a control game. I mean, a lot of countries, you know, that are mining, you know, the, Mexico is a big miner of, of silver, which is a huge advantage for us in the U.S. that we have this connection yes. and it's so close to us and that it does give us a significant advantage to have this relationship that we have in Mexico. Because when, when COVID happened and, and they shut down the mines in Mexico because, you know, people were sick and things were happening. I mean, you saw it. Nobody could get it. It was done. So the idea that we have this connection uh, it is, is a big advantage for us and it will always be an advantage as long as we keep our relationship good with Mexico. And so that is, that is a metal we tremendous. And we do silver mine here in the U S but there's many other countries that pull more silver than we do. And so exactly. I, I totally agree. <laughs> Before they turn out the lights on the, on the interview here, um, I, I've got this part rehearsed. So I know it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, I've been a customer of Noble Gold. I call in, I talk to them. They are so polite. They are so professional. There's no pressure. And then they, we start to take my order and they say, Oh, Mr. Hodges, how are you? Because a lot of them know who I am. Uh, but even before they know who I am, the professionalism that comes out of Noble Gold is incredible. And you provide such a great service. So people, if you want to know more, you can do one of two things. You can go to DaveHodgesGold.com, and I'll send you out an electronic uh, digital packet that will explain everything that they do and how you get started. Or if you feel the urgency of the moment, like a lot of people do, including yours truly, you can call Noble Gold at 877-646-5347. It's 877-646-5347. And Colin, do you have anything to add to the end of that? No, just happy holidays to everybody, to you, Dave. Thank you. Same to you. Merry Christmas and, and just nice to, you know, nice to have a year end kind of wrap up with you and, and, uh, Amen, brother. talk to you about uh, <clears throat> money and, and all things happening in the world. So I absolutely. Well, thanks Colin for coming on and uh, thank you for what you do. Take care. Thanks Dave. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, 
hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container, you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.